Hey, podcast world. It's FNO InsureTech back from PLRB and here today with a very special episode. Isn't that right, Lee? It is. This is one that we are going to be thinking about here in the next couple of months. Uh, we will probably go back and replay this, I would imagine. Yeah, every time the wind blows, I'd say. Yeah, I, I agree. We, we have Dr. Phil Klotzbach, who did an episode with us earlier, and uh, he is the probably the most preeminent hurricane forecaster in the world, I'd say, and a specialist in Atlantic uh, hurricane season forecasting. And he is he just published his big annual forecast last week, and we wanted to get him on to talk about that real quick. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited about listening to this and see, you know, what 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 are we going to have this year? Are we going to have a big one, a small one? Where does El Nino come in? A, a lot of good things to talk about today. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of uh, El Nino talk. So, um, so without further ado, let's 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 get him in our little chat room here. What do you say? I think that's a great idea, Rob. Okay, here's our special episode interview with Dr. Phil Klotzbach. Today's episode's kind of cool and different because we have a follow-up episode, which Lee means we've been on for so long we can have follow-ups. Yes, that is a very uh, exciting thing. <laughs> they haven't canceled us yet. Not yet. Well, today we have Dr. Phil Klotzbach on with us from California. Hi, Phil. How are you? I'm doing well, Rob. Thanks for having me back. Well, it's it's great to have you back because um, you're in that period of time of the year where everybody's talking about you. Why is that? Well, we just released the uh, first uh, Atlantic seasonal hurricane forecast for 2019 last week. Um, and so mm -hmm. I, there's been a lot of discussion about that outlook um, since the forecast went out a few days ago. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When we talked on our original episode, that, of course, is probably what you're most uh, notorious for, if you will, is um, your annual forecast that you've carried on the work um, from Dr. Gray uh, for several years. Now, how many years have you been um, the lead person on on the forecast so i started helping out with the forecast in 2001 and i've been the lead on the forecast all the way since 2006 it's hard to believe it's been that long wow wow and for those of you who haven't met um dr phil he looks like he's not old enough um to <laughs> to have even been around that long you're a very young looking man which is uh which you're lucky well thank you <laughs> okay so um, let's get right into it and kind of go ahead and give us give us a minute or two on the highlights of this year, and then we'll kind of dig into it and dig around it uh, for some of the nuggets that are inside of it. Yeah, so we're forecasting a slightly below normal hurricane season so far. Uh, this is our first outlook, which we will update it in early June. Uh, so we're currently predicting a total of 13 named storms. Of those 13, five becoming hurricanes. And of those five, two becoming major category three, four, and five hurricanes, those are hurricanes of winds of 111 miles per hour or greater. The average season has about 12 named storms. 
of those 12, six becoming hurricanes, and of those six, three becoming major hurricanes. So a little bit below normal on number of hurricanes and major hurricanes, a little above normal on the number of named storms, and that's just because the average is based on data from 1981 to 2010, and we currently are we're naming more storms now than we did back then just due to improvements in technology uh, that we didn't have available in the, in the 1980s through the early part of the 1990s. So in other words, the data is better. Correct. Yes, yes. We have better observational data. And these are the weak storms. So these are, we're naming a lot of storms that are weak and short-lived, so maybe out there for a day or two, um, that we would have named, say, even 30, 40 years ago. Um, and the big reason why we're forecasting a slightly below normal season is currently we have uh, weak El Nino conditions. And El Nino is warmer than normal water in the eastern and central tropical Pacific. And when that occurs, it occurs every few years. When it occurs, it tends to increase upper-level westerly winds that tear apart hurricanes as they're trying to develop and intensify. The signal is strongest in the Caribbean, but it also extends further east into the tropical Atlantic. And we think, while we currently have El Nino, we think the odds are fairly high that that is likely to continue um, through the 2019 hurricane season, which starts on June 1st. So you see El Nino in the Caribbean? I thought it's in the Pacific. Oh, El Nino is located in the tropical Pacific, but its impacts on, on upper-level winds is strongest in the Caribbean in terms of where when you're looking at signals in the Atlantic for hurricanes. So warmer than normal water in the eastern and central tropical Pacific increases upper-level winds, especially in the Caribbean, but then extending further out into the tropical Atlantic and tending to knock down hurricanes that form in the deep tropics. And you're seeing that already? You're seeing impact in the in the Caribbean already? Yeah, so you do get increased shear in the Caribbean with these, and we'll like the, and that's something that obviously we're going to be monitoring, is monitoring both the strength of El Nino and then how that basically is impacting the shear levels in the Caribbean. Hey, Phil, what about up along the upper east coast? Will that El Nino have any impact up towards like New, New York or, or New Jersey? Well, so typically El Nino's impacts in the summer are more muted in the United States. Um, but one of the things that we are monitoring off of the U.S. East Coast is right now we have very warm water. So waters are much warmer than normal off of the U.S. East Coast and colder than normal in the tropical Atlantic. Typically, that reduces overall levels of Atlantic hurricane activity because hurricanes form and typically form in the deep tropics. But you may see more of these kind of subtropical higher latitude storms given how warm the water is off the East Coast, if that were to persist. But those typically, if they form off the East Coast, as you know, living in the mid-latitudes, the storms move from west to east. So most of the storms that form, say, in the subtropics, head east and away from the United States. I see. So so whenever y'all are planning on, on this hurricane forecast, is there any way to predict where along the, the, the seaboard these storms are going to hit? Um, I mean, it, I would say each year, is it a higher probability during an El Nino year that we would have more storms along the eastern coast versus the actual Gulf? So typically what we find is that in general, more active seasons have more landfalls. It doesn't work out perfectly every year. There are some very active seasons like 2010 where we had no landfalls and very quiet seasons like 92 where we had a very significant landfall like Hurricane Andrew. But in general, more active seasons have more landfalling storms. Uh, typically in El Nino seasons, it really knocks down your chances of landfall along the East Coast. And that's because typically storms hitting the East Coast of the United States, especially the major hurricanes, form from systems developing off of the West Coast of Africa. And those are significantly reduced in El Nino seasons. The odds do go down a bit in the Gulf, but not necessarily quite as strong. So do you remain more concerned in a year like this? about the Gulf than, than the East Coast Atlantic? Well, I think you need, obviously we need to be ready everywhere along the coast in every season. But yeah, I mean, I think in general, if, if the El Nino were to persist, 
through the hurricane season, then it would tend to reduce the odds a little more along the East Coast and along the Gulf Coast. But right now, obviously, it's still pretty early. So we're right now. Also, the El Nino is fairly weak. Um, and if, if you have a weak El Nino, sometimes its impacts on the Atlantic aren't as strong as, say, if you had a strong El Nino, that's when it really knocks down your overall levels of hurricane activity. So I know it's, it's, there, there's a lot of details and science into this, but generally speaking, the reason that you're going with a little less than normal is that the El Nino is as weak as it is currently? Correct, yes. Yeah, and right now we don't see any signs that it's going to get you know, really strong. So we had a very strong El Nino in 2015, and it was a pretty quiet overall season. Um, the other factor, one of the reasons we are going a little bit below normal is due to the fact that we currently have colder than normal temperatures in the tropical Atlantic. Um, and those typically, if you have colder water in the tropical Atlantic, that tends to be associated overall with um, a little bit quieter hurricane season since hurricanes live off of right. warm ocean water. Let's jump into the report. Why don't you start by telling our audience where they can find it so they can see it for themselves? Yeah. So if you just Google CSU hurricane forecast or Colorado State University hurricane forecast, you can find it that way. Uh, you can also go directly to tropical. So T-R-O-P-I-C-A-L, tropical.colostate. So C-O-L-O-S-T-A-T-E dot E-D-U. And the forecast is on the front page of that. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's where I found it. And um, I, I want to ask you, <laughs> I was going to ask you to define some of these terms, but then as I continued reading on down the way, you have you have a, uh, a glossary and definitions and acronyms in here. So really, uh, even somebody as simple-minded as myself can kind of understand this. Do, do you write it for lay people? I mean, yeah, I mean, I try in general to write it you know, I mean, there, there's obviously some, there's obviously a lot of science that goes into it, so we don't want to diminish it too much. But we do try to write it such that someone who's just interested in hurricanes can can understand pretty much what's going on. I try not to make it too geeky and too sciencey. Um, so hopefully, ideally, hopefully, you know, it's, it's accessible to everyone who, who's interested in uh, in getting more of the nuts and bolts of the forecast. So in the document, we kind of describe the large scale features that we're looking at, why we're forecasting what we are. And we discuss the different methodology, the different models that we use to come up with our prediction as well. Hey, Phil, I started wondering, uh, so you were talking about you were making the prediction based on where the El Nino is right now and the weather temperatures and the ocean temperatures. Will 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 y'all come back at a later date and update this maybe in the middle of the season? So, yeah, so we updated. We actually have three updates. So we'll be doing our first update on June the 4th. Um, and so that, that, would, that kind of gives an up, we'll get, have a little better idea of what El Nino is going to do. So we'll see if it's, if it's, if it's, if it's continuing, if it's weakening, if it's strengthening, um, then we'll also be looking at, you know, updates on what's going on in the Atlantic as well, how the, the winds, the pressures and the water temperatures are there. Um, and then we update it twice during the season, once in early July and once in early August. And it's important to realize that while the hurricane season starts June 1st, Generally, very little happens in June and July. About 95% of all your major hurricane activities have occurred after the 1st of August. So it's important to realize that, you know, even though the season starts June 1st, that doesn't really ramp up typically till August. And so we do one final forecast in early August, since then we're closest to the events that we're trying to predict, but we're still before most of this, the hurricane activity really gets going. Um, a prime example of that is 2004. It was an incredibly active hurricane season with most notable storms being Charlie, Francis, Ivan, and Jean. But we didn't have our first storm that year, Alex, until August. So, you know, just because June and July happen to be quiet doesn't necessarily mean that, the, that we can expect the overall season to be quiet. So I have questions for you on these percentages that you use. <clears throat> it says uh, that it, 
the probability for at least one major hurricane making landfall on the entire U.S. coastline is 48% versus the average of 52. What, do, what, what does 48% mean? Well, basically, I mean, effectively it means, you know, in any year there's about a 50-50 chance that a major hurricane hits the U.S. just based on historical records. And so this year the probability is just slightly less than that, given that we're predicting these slightly below normal seasons. So those probabilities that you allude to, basically what those are are based on historical data. Um, so based on, we usually use 20th century calculations, and then we adjust them based on our latest forecast. So since we're forecasting it slightly below normal season, the probabilities are slightly below their long-term averages. So, so basically one in two? Correct. Yeah, yeah. you got about a 50-50 chance or a coin flip in any year that a major hurricane hits the U.S., just based on historical records. Okay, so so that's just, that's just historical data. Correct, yes. And... And so then you have to take all the data and stuff that you gather. I mean, I think it's important for people to understand that that this is um, this is science. Like when we first spoke, you told us that you spend your days in in spreadsheets and digging through them and creating them. When you come up with your forty eight percent number, that's not just you kind of holding your thumb out in the wind, right? You're you're going through data, 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 models, 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 right? That's correct, yeah. So the numbers that go into the seasonal forecast as well as the numbers that go into the probabilities are definitely based on a lot of a lot of research and a lot of science by myself and colleagues as well. So yeah, it's more than, we're not throwing darts at a board when we when we do our forecasts. And if you're interested, again, as you mentioned earlier, there's, there's a pretty extensive document, about 35 pages that goes through um, you know, what we're predicting. And also too, we do have, and I think we have the best verification of any group doing seasonal forecasting in terms of that we have a very long-term track record. So this is our 36th year. So we started all the way back in 1984, but we have verification of all our forecasts, both online. You can download, uh, we have put out a PDF every year that goes into a lot of detail describing what we forecast. And we also have um, tables with all of the different forecasts uh, all the way back to 84, so you can see how good the forecasts are, how bad the forecasts were on an individual year-to-year -year basis. Yeah, I was wondering how, whenever you look back at, at last year's or or the year before that, how was the outcome? Were, were you all pretty close? Yeah, so in general, the forecasts get better um, as the season approaches, as you would expect, similar to the way that your forecast for tomorrow is going to have more skill than your forecast for the weather, say, a week from now. But what we actually had last year is our forecast in April was really, really close, very close to what actually happened. Um, and the forecast actually got a little less skillful as we got to the peak of the season. Overall, the climate conditions looked less conducive for hurricanes, and we actually ended up with more hurricanes than we than we than we thought. Uh, we ended up with eight hurricanes last year. We predicted five uh, earlier in April. We had actually predicted seven, so we should have kept our numbers the same. Um, a couple of things that went into last year. Um, overall, the large scale conditions looked less conducive. The Atlantic got was became much cooler than normal, and we didn't have El Nino, but we were close. So we thought overall conditions were were not particularly conducive, and we had very little storm activity in the Caribbean. Um, the tropical Atlantic was a little more active than we thought, but we also had a lot of higher latitude activity last year. Several storms forming outside of the tropics. We had seven of what's called the subtropical cyclones, which are cyclones that have both characteristics of tropical cyclones, but also mid-latitude storms. And those aren't necessarily very predictable from our seasonal forecast, since what we're looking at is for large-scale conditions in the deep tropics. So for those of us that are in the insurance industry, can you help us... 
how can we use this? What what would you like to see us doing with a report like this? Well, I mean, you know, when we talk about what how the general public uses it, we always stress that, you know, it's an informational tool, not a preparedness tool. Because obviously you need to be prepared the same every hurricane season. So it just takes that one storm to make it an active season for you. And frankly, when it comes to preparation, really the big key is, you know, when was the last time that the particular area that you're living in was impacted? Obviously, if you've recently been impacted by a hurricane, you're going to be a lot more motivated to prepare than if you haven't, say, been hit by a hurricane in 20 or 30 years. Obviously, unless you're a hurricane geek like me, you know, hurricanes probably aren't what you're thinking about day in and day out. Um, but when it comes to the insurance industry, I mean, I think there's there's a lot of science. Um, there's a lot of I think interesting information and gives you some ideas to how actively expect the season is to be. But I think in general, especially for primary insurance is that, you know, I mean, rates, rates are set well in advance of the season long before the forecasts go out. So there's really not much you can say in terms of adjusting rates or whatever, but I think, you know, it's just a useful informational tool to kind of give you an idea as to maybe what you might expect during the peak of the season. I'm also interested in how things are changing climactically if I'm saying that right. And, uh, you know, in terms of climate change, et cetera, and we talked a little bit about that um, during your first episode with us, are you seeing changes? You're probably, you're far more sensitive to it than any of the rest of us would be. Are you seeing changes? Are there things that strike you as odd? Like, for example, your forecast is almost average. It, it, it's within a, f- a few degrees of average. Are, are things changing as you see it? Yeah, so there's a few things that we look at. So we actually published a paper looking at basically the damage from hurricanes in the United States. And what we found is that if you go back and look since 1900, the damage is, 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 ex- is increasing exponentially from hurricanes. Sure. But the primary reason why the damage is going up so quickly is due to the fact that we're just more people living along the coast. So there's increases in exposure from that, as well as increases in population along the coast. I'm sorry, besides increase in population, also wealth. We have more money than our parents and grandparents did. So that combination um, is basically what's been the primary driver of the increases in damage. If you look at the overall number of landfalling hurricanes, there's been no significant trend back to 1900 or even back to 1850. But I think when it comes to climate change, you know, the most of the theoretical modeling studies say that storms may get a bit stronger in the future. But I think some of the bigger concern may not even be the strength of the storms themselves, but some of its tertiary impacts, primarily, obviously, with sea level rise, even if the storms themselves don't change at all, having a few more inches above, uh, basically even six inches or a foot of sea level rise could mean significant increase in inundation, especially in areas uh, where the coast, where, where, the, where the shore basically slopes up very gradually from the coast. Likewise, too, with a warmer atmosphere, you would expect to see more rainfall from storms in the future. But I think one of the big things that I emphasize when talking about hurricanes is that, you know, humans can make these storms worse or better um, just by obviously changing things more at a local level. If you build uh, with better building codes, you elevate structures outside of the surge zone, that can obviously reduce future damages. Um, however, obviously, if you build in the surge zone and if you, say, replace permeable surfaces like grass with impermeable surfaces like concrete, it can cause more run crease and more uh, runoff and increased flooding that had nothing to do with CO2. It was just due to land use changes. So I think it's important to look at kind of all these impacts of humans when we're talking about humans' impacts on these storms. So we can be our own worst enemy. Correct. Yes. Okay. Well... 
um, we we're, we're we were thrilled to have the opportunity to talk to you again. I know you're very busy now. I've seen you on uh, television and read about you in the newspaper over the last week. This must be a busy time of year for you. Yeah, yeah. This is usually the I would say the busiest time of the year. You know, once once the hurricane season gets going, we're obviously we, we keep very busy. Um, so we do updates of the season, and then also during the peak months of the season, through from August through October, we put out six um, two week forecasts. So we try to predict during the season um, when you're likely to see high levels of activity or low levels of activity, and that's because just because a season is active or a season is quiet doesn't mean you couldn't have an active period in a quiet season or a quiet period in an active season. So we try to do a, do, our, do, do some work on the on shorter term prediction as well. Okay. So the next the next update is in June, June, uh, early June, correct? Correct. Yes. The next update will be on June the 4th. Okay. Well, then we'll be looking for that. Well, thanks for uh, giving us a little insight and a little preview here um, of what's coming maybe uh, and um, we appreciate you making yourself available to our, to us and our audience thank you very much take care Rob bye now bye well there you go Lee all the prediction information you need to know for this hurricane season all of the stuff right and you know we, we actually wait all year long for this because our industry is surrounded by hurricanes. Not only are we whenever we're in them, but whenever we're preparing for them and then the aftermath. So, yeah. Right. And as we know in our business, we watch the darn things. We can watch them for yeah. 10 days. Oh, right. Yeah. I mean, last year we prepared for one single hurricane and it was a 14 day plan from the time we saw it formed to the day that it really didn't hit. Right. And then, and then came Michael, two days. which was like yeah. two days. So it's 14 days worth of planning down to two days. And, uh, you know, we, we spend our, our, our whole time waiting for these forecasts and planning for them and waiting them out. Right. Right. And it's, uh, what a wonderful, generous guy he is and a really smart guy. And, um, uh, I, we encourage everybody to look at his, uh, to look at his website and look at his forecast. It's very, very interesting and, um, has a lot of, uh, it's packed filled with, tremendous information he's been doing it so long and how neat is it to be able to you know talk to the guy who thinks about this even more than we do and is way smarter (laughs) at that than we are possible (laughs) i don't think it's possible not possible it's not possible okay well uh thank you everybody uh, for joining us for a special episode and uh we'll see you um next week